What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. All right, welcome back everybody to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and as always, I'm here with Mike and Nina. Hello, team. Hey, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Super excited to be here with our international guest. Yes, very excited. Um, we always love bringing in the global perspective um, to our audience. So I'm really excited to introduce Sonia Barlow, who's the founder of the Social Enterprise LMF Network a diversity and inclusion coach and soon to be author with her book coming out next year. So welcome, Sonia. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am, I'm doing very well. Thank you. It's been a good week. Good, good. Yeah. Are you, yeah. How has, how have you, how's 2020 kind of affected you? I know we're going to talk a little bit about that as, as far as work, but personally, how has it been this year for you? Yeah, both uh, exhilarating and exhausting. So 2020 was the year that I decided I was going to quit my job and run my own business, um, which was great until March. And then, you know, and, and March is International Women's Day. So being a woman, it was great for me because that was going to basically pay my salary for the year. And 75% of my income was wiped out. Wow. Um, in April and May, I had absolutely no income. So to answer your question, it's been exhausting because we are in a pandemic and you have had to adapt very quickly. But at the same time, it's been exhilarating because I also work under pressure and I like having the opportunity to try new things. And I think 2020 has been a great year for trialing and testing new ideas, new brands, new initiatives. So from starting a podcast to now writing a book to, um, you know, running and delivering workshops around topics such as de and I think there isn't a better year for you just to try what you want to try and see what happens at the back of it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. We love that. And, and yeah, so let, that leads into kind of our first area of topic area here of why, why now, why are you speaking out now? <laughs> I think if, I think if my friends and family hear this, they'll probably say she's always been speaking out. So I guess on that note, I've always realized that I have a voice and I have an opinion um, but as you grow, you know, through your teenage years and through young adulthood, you don't necessarily know how to direct it. And so I didn't realize that I had a voice in the topic of diversity inclusion, because I always felt, especially uh, throughout university and throughout my first few roles, that you have to conform to the workplace. And so what, that, what I mean by that is, you know, I was just grateful that someone gave me a job. Like it was, it was literally as deep as that. I didn't negotiate my pay. I didn't think I really had an opinion to share because I graduated in 2015 and someone gave me a job. The reason I'm speaking up now or I have been for the last few years is because I realize that no one's done me a favor by giving me a job. I have worked very hard through my education or through my experience to get there. And then I've entered workplaces, especially um, in the world of tech and the world of business where 
I have felt out of place or I felt like I don't belong or genuinely it hasn't been set up to help me succeed. And what I've realized is I've always had a voice. I've always had an opinion. Now I just know how to redirect that narrative. So it's um, educational. So it's powerful and most importantly, so it's impactful for individuals who feel like they want to be their best selves at work and for companies who want to, you know, quote unquote, recruit diverse talent, um, especially especially during this time. I, I love it, Sonia. And one of the, on our pre-call discussion, that obviously um, uh, tweaked my uh, interest big time because you immediately, well, so, well, I love the, love the idea. Like you didn't really, you were always speaking out. You just didn't realize like there was this, formal diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, like vertical that you were speaking out in. And that's, that was kind of my whole world. Like, um, it, it, as a token blind person, I never recognized that, um, as I always talked about, well, you know, digital inclusion, um, was a topic topic for me, always speaking out on accessibility, because as a blind person, if, if a digital environment is not accessible, I truly don't even have, um, you know, the same uh, ability to uh, participate in, in the world. So, um, and that was one of the first things you talked about is accessibility uh, and inclusion. So I'd love to get your, your, your spin on that, if you don't mind. Yeah, thank you so much. One of the things which you spoke about pre-recording was the fact that when I was in university, my dissertation was on the perceptions of nonconformity and implications on employability, which itself is quite a mouthful. But fundamentally, what it was, was conducting research on if you were to go into the finance um, sector and you were to go into an interview and you had tattoos or an eyebrow piercing or, or a funky colored jumper, at which point were you too diverse for someone to take you seriously? At what point did their biases come out? The thing is, back in 2015, and being a graduate or being at university, I didn't realize that this was a real topic of discussion, nor did I realize that this was something that I could take forward as a career. So I've always been passionate about it. And that's because I personally have lived through these experiences. And I realized that the day before I maybe didn't have a piercing, the day after I did, simple as you know, my nose piercing, for example, you just get looked at differently. You're the same person, your identity is the same, your name is the same. And yet, your all of these like different stereotypes come into play and so to answer your question I would say the first few years when I worked in corporate I didn't really understand when something bad was happening to me or I didn't understand when someone was being racist or discriminating me or the biases that existed because as I mentioned I was just happy that someone took me on it was once I started progressing within the workplace I realized that a lot of things aren't accessible and aren't inclusive. So by accessibility, I mean, you're able to approach them without any barriers and you're welcome. By inclusivity, I very much means that, I, I very much mean that you have a space to be there um, and it's catered towards your needs, right? So ultimately you can feel like you belong. In 2018, when I was moving from my first workplace to my second, the honest truth is I'd been there for two and a half, two, yeah, just over two years. I didn't get a leaving card. I didn't really get a thank you. I didn't really have a lot of friends in the workplace. And so when I went looking for them externally, unfortunately, being in London, a lot of things weren't accessible, meaning 
as a as an early grad um or a, or an early job seeker or you know in my in my first time job role let's say I don't have extra money to spare for me to meet people and for me to find a mentor and for me to find sponsors and for me to build this network that was the first time I really realized that there was things were inaccessible and so when I started building my network and fundamentally you know today it's a social enterprise that's been self-funded that's free that's run by volunteers what I also realized was I'm not the only one with this problem and that's where the problem fundamentally is the problem is that a lot of us have this problem but a lot of us if not most of us aren't able to speak out because we are afraid of the consequences what may or may not happen as a result of us speaking out now for me I have been that person for a very long time but I'm very open and honest about this you know two out of my three companies it was mutually agreed that I wasn't a best fit and I was you know we, we kind of parted ways at that point the worst thing that can happen is you lose your job okay but you're able to stand up for yourself and I guess today I just want to be someone who stands up for herself and puts herself first and and, you know, is confident in, in the person that she, he or they are, rather than always trying to fit into a mold that doesn't really exist, because I'm not trying to play a character for, for the rest of my life, especially in the corporate world. You know, I think that's, uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think it's, it's, there's trauma in having really bad workplaces experiences. And I'm, I'm intimately familiar with that as well on that sense of, being othered and not having a sense of belonging at places I work, which is like you, why I kind of went into a, a self-employed and then eventually entrepreneurial journey where I got to kind of run things myself and do things on my own terms. But, you know, as a kind of consultant and coach, like you're, you're still working with some of these companies, right? Like you get to come in with your own agency, but what is it like for you to come in and have these types of conversations with companies themselves now that, you know, you have experienced it and are coming in with some lessons learned to tell it's such a great question and if I'm very honest with you it's not until very recently that I've started realizing that this is a, a topic that I should be considering or that emotionally it's affecting me and I'll introduce you to two people so um two of my I'd say role models and I'm extremely inspired by them um Abadesi, who runs Hustle Crew, and, and Deborah, who runs YSYS. So they're two startups in, in the UK. And the point I'm trying to make is it's not until they shared their experiences of being Black women and having to relive their story every day in training that I really realised that that's something I'm doing. So as much as I can sit here and make fun out of the fact that in one of my uh, workplaces, you know, someone got my name wrong for six weeks, like, as much as I can laugh about that today, actually during that time, it's devastating. And you can't help but rethink the emotions you felt then or feel, feel silly and, and small. At the same time, I was racially abused, verbally abused. Um, I've had comments where people have made fun of my accent or meetings have stopped because someone wants to ask where my name is from and where I'm from. And I think it's those tiny, smaller microaggressions that aren't really micro, they're just aggressions um, that I've only recently recognized. So to answer your question in, in, in the most honest way I can, 
I don't think people who are diversity inclusion consultants, coaches, or, or, you know, who are working in this field can work in this field for the rest of their life, because actually, you are living your experience every day whilst you are having this discussion, you are sharing your lived experience to make it real for somebody else. And most importantly, people are asking you questions that are making you reflect back on something traumatic that's happened, even though at that moment it may not be traumatic. And so from an underlying perspective, emotionally, it, it, it is, it's very disturbing. Um, and then what's more disturbing is that businesses still don't feel like they need to pay for this information, right? Which I just think is, is, is the most shocking thing, um, especially in 2020 when it's so prevalent and you have to talk about diversity, inclusion, equity, and yet your budgets just don't align. So you're expecting people to come and share their trauma and their lived experience and their expertise for free, um, which doesn't value diversity, inclusion, and it definitely doesn't value the individual and their experience. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you. I hear you, and uh, that's definitely a frustration that I've I've experienced as as well. Because it's it is one of those things where it's like you get asked to do so many free speaking gigs, right? Because they're like, oh, well, you know, you you know this, but you know, you're you're not as worth it as say, you know, someone who can give us like the the five keys to successful leadership, and therefore, you know, we're not going to pay you because DEI is not that level of um, value for some reason. But, you know, one of the things that I think is also interesting about what you do is that you basically go back to the basics. Like you're so gracious with companies despite, despite everything that, you know, you have to do as part of your daily work. Like you're gracious to everybody in the way you approach your, your workshops um, by, you know, saying that you don't know everything um, and creating that safe and vulnerable space for folks. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that and how do you go about having these kind of like one-on-one basic conversations? What does that look like? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. I do think just on the first point you made that, and this is something I'm very vocal about. I, you know, the first question that your colleague asked me was how was 2020? And I shared that actually it was good and it was bad and I had a bad day and I had a good day and mentally it was you know is sometimes it was destabilizing sometimes you're in a great place but the point I'm trying to make is I don't think that we should be following or engaging or interacting with anyone that only paints a picture of success and doesn't talk about their failures or their mistakes or what's gone bad or doesn't bring you into a safe space and 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 doesn't you know allow themselves to be vulnerable and what I mean by that is I'm able to design and deliver workshops, but most importantly, I'm able to gain clients because I always start the session saying, I can't speak on behalf of someone whose experience I don't understand. But what I can do is bring their experience into this narrative and then redirect this conversation to them or introduce you to them so you can learn more about what they are going through. So I don't pretend to have lived experiences, I don't. And the second point is, is when you share that you don't know everything, but you're also learning and you're here to educate um, and share the knowledge which you have gained, it opens up the space for it to be accessible and inclusive and safe, and most importantly, humble. And that's what people are looking for. 
a lot of the work around diversity inclusion, you know, if I just compare it in the last 12 months, out of nowhere, it's the media's jumped on it, journalists have jumped on it, the news articles have jumped on it, and they're interviewing or showcasing the same or similar people. And many of them are, prof, uh, are very much profitizing of, of lived experience of others, and that's not something I, I agree to do by any means. But they're also systematically not helping you to change your internal company. It's not good enough to get DNI training and tick a box. What you need to do is, what are the actions that you can start now as, a, as an individual, as a community, as a network, and then as a business? And you need to really structurally commission a program that's from start to finish. Um, the same way that you are you know, planning Christmas parties six months ahead or uh, booking a holiday and going into every detail and taking notes or you know a, a simple example is when you are going in finding a new office space for yourself you're going into to question uh, various buildings and look at their structures and and see if the foundations are strong enough and you're commissioning that and you are taking a very structured approach in in buying into something that's going to last you long term de and i is the same if you are doing one workshop and ticking a box, an hour's workshop is not going to change anything. If you are not investing with budgets, then you are not committed. And if you are disregarding someone's experience and their value, then you're not championing diversity, inclusion or equity. You're just championing your business profits when fundamentally diverse companies increase their profits by minimum 23%, productivity by 33 And most importantly, companies who have happy employees have employees that stay longer I hope that answers your question because I feel like I've digressed but hopefully it's it's all knowledgeable uh, information we love the information Sonia and uh you 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 know a little bit about us too and we like to uh share and this is a conversation it's a very fluid conversation um can you go into again I I love the uh the how so, uh, you know, can you go into a little bit more shared experiences is one how, but how else are you going into these organizations and talking about some of the systematic ways that they can, um, you know, start making these changes? You know, it starts like I'm, I'm a big fan of crawl, walk, run your way into success. So mm -hmm. how do you help organizations to start that crawling process? Yeah, I love that question. Um I'm just writing down notes so I make sure I answer. So my answer to that question is, and it may be, you know, trick of the trade, I'm not sure, but I make sure I understand my client. So what that means is if you are to commission me, we are to have introductory call for 30 minutes. Then I'm to go away and send you a brief and a proposal and really understand that I understand uh, and really articulate, sorry, that I understand your goals and what your success measures are but equally articulate what this workshop is going to meet for your business. I then send a survey that I ask your employees to fill out anonymously. And the workshop is bespokely designed and delivered at the back of that survey. So I don't deliver the same workshop for every company because every company's needs are different. And that kind of intersectionality approach that we have with people, I also try and bring within my own business to say, no two people are the same. And so we need to we, we need to ensure that it's not a one size fits all approach. It's a, this is what the best actions are for your business based on what you've told me. 
in terms of a direction, all workshops I deliver are extremely interactive. So, you know, Q&A throughout, um, 100% kind of interaction rate. And that's what companies really admire is their success measures are like, actually, we are talking to, you know, a company full of accountants and they, they're not really ones to, to say anything or speak up. And I go in and I can create that conversation and get really good feedback from everyone included. It's also sending them resources after um, that they can upskill. So, you know, I always say the same way that you can use Google to find a restaurant you're going to eat at, you can use Google to, or another search engine provider to find information on topics that you didn't quite understand. But what I can help you with is I can guide you as to where you should start and what the middle looks like and, and fundamentally what the end may look like. And then I have a catch up call afterwards to see how's it going and what we can do going forward. So my answer to your question is, I believe relationships are built through one, listening to someone's needs, two, uh, repeating it back to them and three, helping to solve their problems. But most importantly, meeting someone in the middle to where they are so that it's not a it's not a dramatic change for them, but it's um, extensive enough for it really to make a difference. And it's not me necessarily sharing anything I don't know but it's directing my energy into something that really is going to work for them versus just telling them something because I can and then hoping they're going to do something at the back of it, but not really giving them the how as well. Oh, that's a fantastic uh, approach. Cause I think, yeah, it, it, it's people don't, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's not, there, there's, there's not judgment in that approach. Right. And I think, those people who claim to have been doing this for 20 plus years and are, are the experts and come in and lecture and, you know, the, there is a sense of judgment there and there is this disconnect when with someone like you, it, it's like, hey, we're, we're all the same here, <laughs> you know, and we're all going through this journey together. Um, and here's, here's why, here's why I'm here to, to help out, you know, with your discussion, but I'm, I'm, no better than any of you, right? Like we're all in this together. So I, I think that's a fantastic approach because um, again, I, you know, there's just in, in, you know, historically hasn't been a lot of support for these types of discussions in organizations. Um, and there's, they, you know, people have gone out of their way to exclusively try to bring in um, specific types of people to, to who they think are the experts just based on the color of their skin, for example. Um, and that just sends a lot of different wrong messages. So yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, can I, can I jump in there? So there, there's two, I just want to unpack one thing you said, but you know, everything you said is, is so correct. I personally, and I, I kind of shared this before and I'll share it again. I've lost out, you know, on, on work because I'm either not the same that I'm either not the right skin color for them, for example, or I'm not of the of the right experience and age. And to both points, I want to point out that if we are, you know, the whole premise of diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, intersectionality, allyship, leadership, is that we are not basing it on one uh, factor, but we are bringing someone holistically into the experience. Now, if you are commissioning someone who has 25, 30 years in diversity, inclusion, then honestly, they are the wrong person to commission because that lived experience of 25, 30 years is not what generationally someone is going through now. 
And that's why it needs to be relevant and generational. That's also why I make the statement that, you know, I don't think in 10 years, no, do I think I'll be doing diversity and inclusion? Probably not, because there will be people who have lived the experience, you know, and are borderline kind of Gen Z uh, millennials who have real experience in workplaces and what it and what it means to go from the, the bottom up, uh, because fundamentally it's it's the top down that need help. And in the same respect, I don't identify as, you know, a black woman or a Latino woman or as a woman who's gay. So I can't share their lived experiences and nor am I trying to. But I can definitely direct people to the resources and to individuals that will be able to share and you'll be able to learn from. But the point I want to make, and I really want to point this out, is it is not the responsibility it is not my responsibility to educate you. And it's not the responsibility of someone who is quote unquote diverse to educate you. It is your responsibility to, to be, to, to educate yourself. Right. So exactly. we have the internet, like you don't need to go to someone and to constantly message them and say, you need to teach me about what you're going through. Well, actually you have the internet, you have articles, you have resources, you have podcasts, um, and I think it's, it's, you know, just such a shame. Even yesterday, I had someone contact me who put calendar, time in my calendar and the first 15 minutes were very much, okay, so Sonia, tell us what you do and tell us what experiences you've lived. And, 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 you know, this wasn't a podcast conversation, nor was it an interview. It was somebody who wanted to see if I could support them with something in terms of marketing. And there's a few things prob problematic with that. One, it's, you're expecting me to support you without any budget, right? So what's the value add? Two, you're using your brand name as leverage, where the honest truth is we, we're now living in a system and, and a, in, a, in a generation where brand affiliation, brand names are becoming less important because we're going down values and sustainability and ethics. And the third thing is there is so much information already available in the internet that if you are coming into any situation without education, without a basic understanding, then I'm not going to believe that you're committed to taking this seriously. And therefore, you know, I'm going to redirect my energy in some shape or form, because if you haven't done the work that's required of you, how can you, how can you put all the accountability and responsibility on someone to, to, to give you the education and learning when you haven't taken any initiative yourself? If that, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And I, yeah, I think that's just a great note to wrap up on. I, I mean, I, I really hope that our listeners take all of, all of this wisdom to heart because I think you brought up so many great points today, Sonia. And I uh, just wanted to thank you again for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. I can't believe that time's over. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, we're going to, when, when your book comes out, I mean, we definitely, this is uh this is just the start to a beautiful relationship. <laughs> so or we, you know, let us know um, because we'd love to have you back. Cause yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so much more to talk about. And Mike's Oregon, I'm asking you to record your audio version. So it's accessible. So <laughs> I can yeah. ask Mike on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and, and again, I, I know you don't hear an accent, uh, Sonia, but I, I definitely hear a British accent and I would love to listen to you read your book. <laughs> so thank you, Sonia. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you, Mike and Yubi. And uh, as usual, you can catch us on 
uh, through a lot of different podcast outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, follow us on Twitter and uh, we will see you all next time. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Sonia. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.